Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. All right, all right, all right. Well, welcome to Mixed Company, everybody. You've got Kai here with the crew. Yo, yo, yo. Hello. You guys are going to have to pass that mic know, more quicker, quickly like because <laughs> we have a guest today, and that means we have to share. Um, share. And that <laughs> magical guest that's with us is Brooklyn Bourne, photographer extraordinaire Tariq Carroll. Oh, my God. You got to hold your mic up so they can hear you. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Did you say, oh, my God, do people not call you that, like, when you walk into the grocery store? No, do they, they don't. Oh, you're welcome. They should. <laughs> they say they go- <laughs> They should. I'm not. I, I very seldom get that, but I, I'm like beyond appreciative of that. Yes. No, this is kind of a big deal to have you here. Um, so welcome to Mixed Company. We're going to get into a little bit about you shortly. Amazing. Um, so for those of you that are listening, um, we are kind of taking a little bit of a turn, but not like a real turn. Maybe, maybe a turn isn't the best way to describe it today. We are expanding our conversation um, in a way that we definitely and you listening may not have considered doing so um, on the topic of diversity and inclusion. As you know, we strive to advocate for inclusivity for everybody in every space, uh, everywhere you sit your ass down, you need to feel included if possible, right? And usually it's possible. So with Tariq here, we're actually going to talk about um, a platform that you may have seen in 2017 because 2017 was your year. It kind of was lit. It was it like, was, it was, it was your whole year. Um, and it was the Everyman Project. Yes. All right. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about body positivity. And we're going to talk about body positivity specifically as it relates to men. Um, so that's amazing. I know we talk, we haven't even really covered that for no. women. Um, no. And I feel like this conversation is going to have me all up in my own personal feelings. Right. Giving you all kinds of business that I have. Um, but this is about the fellas. This is not about me. Um, and yeah, we're going to have that conversation. But you know, I don't think it's varying too far off because if we're talking about advertising, then part of it is about representation. We absolutely. Representation. That's, that's the and main so, part of it. Absolutely. Um, and so I feel like what you do is you're basically exposing the media to diverse body types and diverse absolutely. types of men. And so I think what you're doing is you're making it the norm so that when we are, someone's casting for an ad or for a campaign that they're considering someone who's not the typical or the traditional um, idea of what a man should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I guess for, for me, and, and let me go ahead and clarify, I don't want people saying, you know, I'm being exclusive, but I don't necessarily think, and we'll get into it, I don't necessarily think we talk about body positivity as it relates to men ever, or even representation of men no. ever. Right. And quite honestly, so, I mean, I felt like, I felt like, Merry Christmas, friend. Like, we always talk about women women. and, like, (laughs) our needs and our wants and our rights. And and, and this conversation, I'm going to do my darndest to, like, make this more about men because I want want all my people to feel good and comfortable and welcome. And the fact that it never even dawned on me that men would even feel insecure, like, that's a bias I have. Right. You know? Men don't talk about their shit. Men don't. Well... 
That is true. <laughs> well, don't. men don't talk about their Often. shit to people that they don't feel comfortable it, with. Right, I'll say right, that. Right, yeah. There are not many people that a lot of men feel comfortable with. So That's true. Before we get into that conversation, we're going to go ahead and get some of our uh, podcast admin out the way and talk about the dope shit and the ain't shit that has happened in our industry and creative spaces in the last couple of weeks. Karina, I know you have a bomb-ass recap. You were at uh, Black Enterprise yes, in sunny Orlando, Florida. Yeah, happy snow day to y'all. I was about to say, I think I feel like anywhere outside of New York is sunny and just happy. Um, so please tell us what life is like in like the happy land where there's warmth, summer, and sand. Oh, sand? <laughs> oh, was there no sand? I, just, I went to Disney, so it was happy. Was okay. that so I went to the Black Enterprise Women of Power Summit in Orlando at Disney. Super, super fun. Um, it was a really validating experience for me. So the conference consists of um, from March 7th all the way to 10th, to the 10th. And you start off with a gala and then you go to different workshops for the next two days. And then they have an ending ceremony at Animal Kingdom, which I think is dope because even though I'm from the Florida, I've never been to Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom. And it's beautiful. That's so cool. Yes. Why so, was it at like I mean, Wakanda. it's always there. I think it's always there. I mean, yeah, Wakanda, but they oh, didn't have the Black okay. Panther thing there. Oh, but when didn't. they do, Child, I'm gonna be there. they're going to have all the backgrounds, all everything, if they have the same budget Listen, that they gave to, um, what's that movie that I sleep through? won't have. But that's <laughs> okay, got you. Got it. So I'm going to um, point out my favorite sessions. I did live tweet, and I did post some videos on my Instagram. Um, the top three was the Me Too movement, and that was moderated by and Michaela Angela Davis. Here go, Kai. Garrett, let me let you have your moment. I'm going to say, <laughs> well, no, it's not a moment. Just fun fact, I <laughs> started her Facebook for her. Okay. I used to intern for her in the summer of 08. Like, I saw her on TV, and I was like, well, I want to know her. Got her ad- got her email address, hit her up, and boom, I was interning, and she was she's an amazing mentor. So so she's going to be a future guest on the show. Is that, yeah, is that where we were going? If we can lock her down. Right? If we can lock her down. Yeah, <laughs> we should. So, um, she, yes, she moderated the Me Too, Now What? with Janetta Netta Elsie, um, civil rights activist. She's one of the leaders in the activist group. We are the protesters, and she co-edits the Ferguson protest letter, newsletter with DeRay McKesson. I was, I, everybody knows him as DeRay with the blue vest. So we just know him as DeRay. Hey. I don't think we needed to <laughs> he, even he explain vest. further. You what? didn't need to even go there. <laughs> we were good. That's his thing. Keep going. <laughs> and then, um, Nina Shaw, who is a talent attorney and she is also working with the times up, um, fund for people who need legal representation, um, and getting financial support and Gail King, who is an executive um, vice president and chief administration officer for Nationwide. So basically the biggest takeaway, we talked about how to be an advocate for women, but also be an advocate for our friends when they are sexually assaulted. I think the biggest thing, number one, was believe them, which was like so simple, but in context, when someone does express something to you, like do you believe it honestly, or do you try to be objective? It's best to just believe your friend and ask what they need. Cool. I mean, yeah. Um, that was the biggest thing for me because 
I've had people who've expressed and there are times that I don't know what I what to do and or to say. So having that having an idea and a solution that's actually going to be helpful really helped me. So on a lighter note, the other ones were an executive coaching and you go to these private sessions where you can do some executive coaching with women in upper management and things like that and you learn how to learn about other people's communication styles which is really cool and then the last session was by uh, Jane Kennedy Overton I don't really know I didn't really know her they might know her no <laughs> but, but she should <laughs> we should like. she's a legend she's a television personality actress model um, corporate spokesperson she she is by most uh yeah, oh yeah. anyway <laughs> i thought you guys i don't know anyway so the biggest takeaway from there was from her if i waited for the opportunities i would be broke and she talked about all the times that she had to push through she had to talk about how she had to fight for her money you know in the 1970s trying to pave the way for a lot of people here and she said that you know it was hard to even get black women anyone black on advertisements and a breakthrough moment for her was when she saw Carrie Washington on the back of a bus. So it's just, you know, we have a long way to go, but hearing her story, it's like, these are the people who've paid the way for us. So once again, love the session. If you have the opportunity to go do it and meet awesome women. And that's my recap. Awesome. Well, welcome back. Sorry that you're about to get hit with this snowstorm upside your head, but I'm glad you learned yeah, things in the sun. <laughs> that's great. It's cool. Okay. All right. Sim, what you got? Uh, my dope shit is also a festival. So I went to um, Afrotectopia, which uh, had their first festival uh, the weekend of March 10th. And it was basically a wild – not wild, but it was, it was dope because they had a lot of different um, topics. It was just – black as hell uh so they talked about new media arts culture and technology um some of the the topics that they hit on were just like just this wide range so the speculative exploration on the future of blackness uh, black resistance of white algorithms building black agency um ownership and equity they were talking about venture capitalism and entrepreneurship politics and policies with race and space music and technology like pretty much every session that I went to was just like dope and mind blowing. And there's all these black people who are operating in these spaces that you may not hear about because we usually don't hear about us until we're like big and popping and the white people catch on. Uh, so they were, they did a really good job on like exposing these people who are championing, uh, who are leading in these, in these spaces that, you wouldn't necessarily hear about if you're just paying attention to the mass media. So um, I went to that. It was the first one. It was dope. It was two days of just like good blackness and I needed to black me up. So I was, I was here for it. So that's my dope shit. Awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and hit y'all um, with my dope shit, which is the times up advertising uh, campaign that was actually released, uh, I guess about a week, a week ago, shout out to Bobby Schmurder. 
Um, so for those of you that are familiar with the Me Too movement and Time's Up um, and, and all of the movements that are pushing forward uh, to protect women against sexual harassment and oppression, um, Time's Up advertising has been birthed out of um, this system of movements to primarily focus on um, policies, practices, and decisions uh, and tangible actions that are made within the advertising industry. Um, their mission is to create a more balanced and diverse, accountable leadership, um, address workplace discrimination for men and women, harassment and abuse, and create equitable and safe cultures within our agencies. Um, the dopest shit about all of this is not just the fact that this is another movement, but that this is a movement whom, if any of you listened to our last show, um, and you take, uh, you take a trip down to timesupadvertising.com and you click to view the original signer of the signers of this letter, you will recognize some of the names on this founders list from our last episode. So obviously, um, Tasha Gilroy from YNR signed it. Tracy Smith from 72 and Sunny. Heida, uh, sorry, Heidi Gardner from um, IPG were all women that we showed our respect to and gave some great love to on the last show. And little did we know that the next day after we recorded, we were about to get slapped in the face with all of this <laughs> um, amazing greatness from these women who are essentially pioneers in this DNI movement. I know. We talk about um, the work that we're doing from the, from the ground up, but they're literally sitting at the top um, and making sure that there are platforms and missions available to essentially protect the work that we are uh, pushing forward as well. So um, I'm just going to say we called this about two years ago when we first started talking about sexual harassment in this industry, and here it is, and there are not just movements, but there is true action take in place and not just the action but people that we know personally and respect are also holding themselves accountable and are leading uh the charge for change if you will so take a look timesupadvertising.com add your name to the list if you can i think the biggest thing to keep in mind um we got a tweet from heide gardner the other day just saying that she it's important she said it's important to clarify that um clarify that what they're doing is uh, addressing intersectionality so it's not just about women it's not just about harassment it's about workplace discrimination in general um, so for people that feel may feel left out and that your voice has not been heard with the various movements that have been launched in the last year or so this might just be the one for you um, I mean, I'm, I can go down the list of peop women uh, on this um, on this letter, and, and I know that they have been my safe space in the past. So um, if I can vouch for it, I suggest you do it. Um, and, yeah, like I'm just excited to see what 2018 is going to look like for all of us that are just tired of the bullshit, Ike. Shout out to what's love got to do with it. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, if you're tired of the bullshit, like, like it's the time is now to actually, um, create change. So thank you to those women and shout out to everybody that's coming up with us and behind them to fuck some shit up and make the play, the world a better place. Amen. Amen. So, God bless. 
Yes. Um, I'm just going to take a quick check because we ordered some food, right? <laughs> and what had happened was real is. Is, is that your girl is now hungry <laughs> and she needs to know where the Uber where the Uber Eats man is. So he says he's a, he's a minute away. If anybody okay. wants to go outside, feel free to, um, uh, yeah, just uh, you can take my phone. And I'm going to have him text you or him text you what my passcode is just in case, you know, world life happens because I don't need it on the show. Just give me your notes. <laughs> just give me your notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So with that being said, and while we're getting this food stuff popping together, I'm going to go ahead um, and let y'all know what we're talking about, right? So like I said, we're talking about body t- positivity, um, specifically as it pertains to men. Um, and this, it was unexpected, right? Like this it really was, was. This is just like a really unexpected thing that like, and, and I'm gonna let you tell it, but like I've, I've, it blew my mind because I was like, damn, I never really considered that men also right. maybe may have feelings of insecurity about the way they look. Like I, and it could also be because I spent a lot of time looking in the mirror and nitpicking at myself, but like it never dawned on right. me. But once I started reading the letter on your website, Tariq, and also started reading some of the stories, um, and and obviously following you on social media and following the press that you received uh, throughout 2017, I was like, damn, like we all feel the same way. Like we all, we all have do. the same thoughts. So it's, it's human. Yeah, men and women, we all deal with a lot of the same issues just possibly in different ways but a lot of the core same issues we all deal with we all deal with we all feel insecure we all have moments where we feel unworthy where mm-hmm. we compare ourselves to others or we compare ourselves to other deemed uh beautiful society norms you know that's kind of been programmed to us so it's it's a constant thing and we we all deal with it so doing us men so do me so do me a favor right let's go, okay. let's Let's start with the let's start with the um, Everyman project, and then we'll talk about you as a photographer, and then we'll kind of circle back to make okay. this a full story. So, how did you come up with the concept for the Everyman project? Uh, how I came up with the concept for the Everyman project, from honestly as an artist, as a human being, just really dealing with my own life experiences as a man, um, and not necessarily feeling comfortable in my own body and also to not necessarily seeing myself represented either much in media or if we were, you know, plus size black men, we're usually deemed as a caricature mm-hmm. as what you see on like, you know, TV shows or, you know, comedy skits or like, you know, shit like that. So um, that's part of the reason also to like as a photographer for such a long time, um, I've really been just playing the game and not really doing anything to truly, like, cause a shift in consciousness, mm. you know? Like, I've just been working mostly with, like, model agencies and, you know, things of that nature. And I got tired of my work. Mm. I got tired of what I was doing. It wasn't filling me. And then, like, through, like, dating and um, life shit, you know, I started to, you know, started to unlearn uh, habits, you know, in terms of how I treat myself, mm-hmm. how I talk about myself. And when I started opening up and having conversations with my other, you know, male counterparts, my friends, and they started sharing their stories, I started to see kind of like a common thread that we all kind of deal with a lot of the same issues. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, seeing the women's body positivity movement having such a surge, mm-hmm. I was like, well, why, why is no one doing this for men right now? Why is there no voice for this? And I was like, well, I'm pretty talented. Mm-hmm. I can create awesome campaign quality content ce- celebrating men of different various sizes. Why not Just I do, do it? it. Yeah. And it took me a while to feel comfortable to even want to do it because I knew in me doing it, I would be the forefront of this project. I would have to then still deal with my own shit. I would be in photographed. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so used to being behind the scenes, you know, like behind the camera. I would I would be at the forefront of it. So it took yep. me a year um, before I even picked up the camera and shot it. And we're mm-hmm. now approaching the one-year anniversary of Every Man on April 2nd. Look at so that. A lot has happened in a year. But, yeah, I would say those are some of the reasons that made me want to create this project. Okay. To truly just be like a voice for the unrepresented. True, true, true. All right, so let's do me a favor, right? Uh Uh-huh. You, so we talk a lot about creatives and creators on this show. Um, And what's of interest to me, like, obviously, like, we're friends. We've known each other for a while. Um, I'd be interested for you to tell people, you know, what made you decide to pick up a camera? And then after picking up that camera, what made you decide, you know what, I can do this thing on my own? Um... What made me decide to pick up a camera? Honestly, I wanted to shoot my friends. It was something that was fun for me for a long time. I went to college for graphic design. So um, photography and graphic design, as you guys know, in advertisement, it all goes hand in hand. So um, we had to take a required photography course, and that was when I started to, you know, learn the skills. I was like, you know what? Maybe this can be something that I really want to do. And then from there started to work with models, started to kind of really carve my own path, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I have a question about that. So for creative industries, especially as a person of color, especially as a black person, the barrier of entry is usually a little bit higher. Um, What was your experience getting into transitioning from student to professional, actually getting paid to do um, I literally just threw myself to the wolves. Um, you know, like we all get sold a dream and we all know, you know, you go to college, you're going to get a job. There's that's no what job. they tell you. I was about to say, that's what no they job. tell you. It's yeah. bullshit. So that ain't I, real, but that ain't, that's what they tell you. It's so real. And I had to make my own opportunities for myself. And it took a lot of me, you know, fucking up, doing things the wrong way, getting burnt, trusting some of the wrong people. Also, too, not knowing my worth as an artist for so long, um, undervaluing my work, allowing other people to not value my work because I wasn't valuing myself or my work. And it took a lot for me to even feel comfortable and say I'm talented. Mm. It took me a long time to even get there. People would tell me, oh, your shit is cool, but I always would compare myself to other photographers. Mm. And on top of that, too, like, there were there were there's not really many people doing kind of what I'm doing, you know, right. from my perspective, and I kind of was comparing myself. Why am I not like them? But like, no, I'm me, you know. So, um, it took me a while to like to feel comfortable, and then start thinking in more of a business minded aspect because I'm a creative, you know. Like numbers was never my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've had no choice mm-hmm. but to get better at it because you have to eat, but it took a long time to really get it together. So follow-up question, um, and this is just from my perspective, getting into advertising, 
I felt like I had to brand myself, uh, physical aesthetics, things of that nature. Do you feel like that had um, you having to brand yourself or present yourself in a certain way to be taken seriously or to be seen as professional played into you creating the Everyman Project? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always say first uh, impressions are everything, you know? So um, I had to then realize that I have a brand and I have to live my brand and I have to be my brand. And um, I had actually sat down, created like a whole entire list of what is my brand? Um, It just made like a long list of adjectives, you know, like my brand is badass, my brand is edgy. And just all these things I kind of wrote down, and I was like, you know what? Anything that I do, if it's not aiding on this list, I'm not interested. And that was when I started to build my brand and my sense of identity and how I present myself when I go out and work with other people. Makes and sense. I've, I've gotten mixed, uh, you know, responses. Some people are with it. Some people are not, but I mean everything ain't for everybody. You go where you wanted. You go where you like. You like. That's what I said. Who told you that? You told me that, Kai. You go where you wanted. You go where you're celebrated. And I've had feet. I've had like people, you know, see me and be like, uh, I don't know, you know, just kind of judge me off of my appearance or whatever. But like, fuck them. At the end of the day, my work speaks for itself. (laughs) As do you. You speak for yourself. Yeah. It's not. It's not your job to want to be wanted. It's not your job to want everybody like you. It's your job yeah. to be content with liking yourself and the shit that you do. I had do. to learn that because yeah. that's toxic. When you when you when you work to be liked and you're mm-hmm. not really being your authentic self, mm-hmm. and you really get to lose who you are. I was there, like mm-hmm. at a point in my life, like creatively, because I yeah. was just doing it more so, like mostly to the shit that just made money. And I wasn't doing anything. I mean, of course, you have to eat, but like, I wasn't doing anything that was filling me spiritually right, or okay. creatively. Not in flaw. It was a point I didn't feel like I was progressing like at all. Yeah. And once I started the Everyman Project, just everything just kind of changed. So I have a question. So, what is the most shocking thing you've learned as a creative? What is the most shocking thing I learned? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> you can do a top three. <laughs> Just one girl. Um, I'll take top the, three. Um, as a creative, oh, well, you know what? I'll give you as a creative and as a freelance um person. Um, you are responsible for your own shit. Yeah. Like a hundred and fifty percent. Um, like you can't blame it on anyone else because you hired the people who you want to work with you. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you select your team. Um, like everything is, is on you. You have to take care of yourself. Um, that's one. Um, two, um, not everyone's gonna like you. <laughs> was that, that was that shocking true. for you though? A little bit, because okay. I'm a Libra. We like to be liked, um, you know? Oh, I don't know nothing about that life. <laughs> We like to, <laughs> we like to people please. I don't know we nothing like, about that life. I've been a Virgo my whole life. I know there's that's, haters that's in these streets, yeah. and they are vast and they, they multiply. Vast. Okay, like when when um when I did an interview with Mike.com, like I had gun enthusiasts. Mm. Like 
I'm trying to get raining down on my Instagram. I'm trying page. to get my haters up. Listen, I'm, I'm I want the like, big guns, like crazy shit. So it's like people, are not everyone's. You not like real you. until your face ends up on a tabloid. So listen, <laughs> there that's you go. Real. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that real. NRA, NRA.com, you in the hero image. <laughs> yes, yeah, you trying to get up there, yeah. Right, you know, so um, I would say it's the second thing, like, everyone's not going to like you. Um, the third thing, um, well, I would say it was shocking. I don't know how shocking it is, but I would say. Shocking for you is I would say fair. how important self-care is as a creator. Okay, yep. Like, and not just physically, but mentally how important mental health is as a creative because it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of things you have to deal with. Like you have like three phones going off. You have like your emails are blasted all the Mm -hmm. time. But like when you get to check in with yourself mentally about how you're feeling, you know how real you have to be to have three phones. I don't, I don't, because trappers only have two phones. My 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 business partner does. I don't have three phones. I have one. Oh, okay. (laughs) I got don't. three phones, one for the models, and one. Listen, like you, was, you, was, I, I was like, oh shit. He, ha- he has three phones, who so I can have all, one. Who's paying all these bills? <laughs> who's paying? Who's sharing all this data? Like, okay, all right, all right. Well, I have a question for you, right? Yeah. So, um, pretty much, like, why do you think? And and this is going back to the project, right? Why do you think representation in the media is so important? And I feel like this is an obvious question. Yeah. But I also feel like it's important to answer, especially from your perspective. So talk to us about representation in the media. Talk to us about representation of men in the media um, and men of color, if you feel like getting into that. And then how do you feel that the Everyman Project can help to, to... bring that to another bring that kind of representation to another level that's a loaded question okay yes let me start with it is it's very loaded but i love the question um i'm gonna start with um representation in media from my perspective as a fashion photographer um of men and you typically see one to three types Mm -hmm. um everyone has a six-pack Everyone has a chiseled jaw, um, super, super defined abs. Um, nine out of ten times, if you're on the cover of Men's Health, you're probably white. Um, we're just now getting into an age where we're starting to see some more diversity with men, you know, but it's not it's not enough. Um, it's 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 a lot that needs to change um, in terms of what we see, especially of men of color. You know, um, you don't see the few that you see, they kind of look the same. You know, right? Like Tyson Beckford looks like the three new guys that are coming out now. I don't even remember their names, but you know, it's just kind of like it's <laughs> it's you know. Also, we let's talk about yeah. Tyson Beckford is from like the early nineties, right? Bro. Like it was twenty years ago, like. Show me there's something some, new. Show me something different. There's some progression, though. There is some. But um, in terms of body type, everyone kind of looks the same. Mm-hmm. So um, as a fashion photographer, I was shooting all those models. Mm-hmm. And and I love I love, I love love what I do. Like, I love working with models. Like, it's, it's awesome. But I got to a point where I was like, I'm playing the game. Like, I'm not doing anything to change. 
Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing what has been set out by the industry. And another thing that's been told, especially when it comes to advertisement, as you guys know, when it comes to fashion and beauty, it's we're selling a fantasy. But my question I always ask is whose fantasy are we selling? Because the last thing I've checked is like people fantasize about different things. So we have a very narrow perception of what <laughs> beauty is, of what myself. male beauty is. Um, it's, it's a very narrow, narrow perception. Um, it's just age old shit. It's a cycle that's been going on and on and on and on. And if you try to get to the source of the answer, it's all the same bullshit response. It's no, it's no real reason, you know, as to why there's no diversity. I mean, I think that's kind of why we started the podcast is because it, to your point of everyone fantasizes about different shit or different things appeal to different people. The issue stems back to why we started this is there isn't diversity at the table. So there isn't someone to speak up for those different opinions and for those different fantasies to say that maybe we should try something different Different. because there's, there's no one there. And like, I think at the end of the day, unless there are, there's going to be that courageous class that's sitting at the table that's going to speak up and say, we've done the same shit for the last 10 campaigns. Right. Let's be disruptive and do something different and be strategic about it. Then we're going to keep seeing those same narratives and those same images. Exactly. Because I feel essentially people, people are going to eat what you feed them. Mm -hmm. And as creatives and people who are in positions of power creative, we always ask, what do you always ask? What are you doing for the culture? And you, if you have a seat at the table, you're in any position of power, and you have a creative mind, what are you doing for the culture? Mm-hmm. And you have to, we have to start consciously thinking about what do we put out for people to consume, yeah. and why are we putting it out? But it's, it's kind of a lack of that that I find, you know? I also feel like um, people don't necessarily consider that like the culture is not you taking on the burden of a people, but it's like, what's your contribution exactly. to the world? Not not you taking care of everybody, but like, what did you do to affect change? Or what did you do to affect change today? And I feel like asking that question, like, you know, not even asking the question, but like considering like doing something for the culture, knowing that people like us and people that we identify with may not necessarily have felt included or felt like they've had a voice. Like, how do you give a voice to people that traditionally don't have a voice. So I love um, this project and I love the fact that you focus on representation for men. And quite honestly, from what I've seen on social media, a lot of it has been men of color, men of color that I don't get to see outside of like my neighborhood. Right. You know what I'm saying? Can you talk a little bit about that? And like, where did you find the models and where did you find the men to participate in the project? Well, the very first shoot, the one that went viral, the first one that went viral. Um, my best friend Lamar's in the shoot, as well as um, another longtime friend, and then um, Marquise Neal, who's he, who at the time and still is like a huge part of the men's body positivity movement, and then um, another friend of mine. So the first group was like people who just loved and supported me. That's why I started. And then from there, we went to doing castings where we held casting calls and we interviewed um, men, asked them specific questions about how they feel about their body, um, 
very very specific questions also to like what is your first memory of your body as a child which was a very deep question for a lot of the men when we asked them so um like we've got like a wide array of responses from that question but that's essentially how we kind of found and like um found models for the project because it's not only going to be a coffee table book it's not only a movement we also plan on you know doing a documentary so that's um, amazing. Yeah, so we just waited to see who felt open enough to kind of talk about, you know, their journey. Mm-hmm. What about, okay, so 2017 we talked about before. It was a huge, and, and, and from the outside looking in, it was it's an crazy. amazing year for you. Talk to us a little bit, a little bit about that experience of um, the Everyman Project just being like this thing in your head, this idea that you yeah. had, and like, going from from just something you were talking to your peoples about to oh my gosh is that Tariq on nbcnews.com <laughs> oh my gosh is that um is that buzzfeed like yeah. what was that like honest to god um i had no, no clue any of that shit would happen because it was just an idea and um i have friends that encouraged me to go through with the idea and 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 actually started and um you know i put it out and i said you know if i reach five people i'm fine like i'm just doing this for for me and whoever can receive this and whoever this affects like this i'm just putting it out to the world and when i did the response was crazy um it was overwhelming (laughs) it still is because there's still there's a lot of things in the works that I kind of can't talk about right now. It's it's a lot of major things in the works. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Was it like you posted it? I'm assuming on on Instagram on your website. Yeah. And then you went to go. I don't know. Get dinner. You came back and it was like twenty thousand followers or twenty thousand likes or something. It, it was more so. I put it out and it just started to build slowly and surely, and then it just kind of ricocheted once we hit um logo new now next um and they featured it then after that was nbc and then from there it just kind of ricocheted into this huge thing (laughs) so now that you now that you've had the opportunity to be featured in these mainstream platforms um for such a what's the opposite of mainstream for such a, a focused um endeavor or a focused mission Mm because i would dare say that like mainstream media doesn't cater to people that don't look a certain way what do you what do you feel i'm gonna ask this carefully what do you feel should happen now that the mainstream media has paid attention how do you how do you feel that they should respond to your mission to the Everyman Project? Um, I wouldn't say it's exactly how I want media res- to respond. I want the fashion brands to respond because they essentially set the tone with what they put out, you know, with who they put in their campaigns. Uh, what sizes do they close run up to, you know? Um, I want the fashion brands to see the value in catering to a wide array of audiences, and also, too, showcasing a wider array of ethnicities amongst men. Like, I want, I, that's that's who I want, I want to hit the fashion brands, mm-hmm. for sure, because 
I always feel through art, through fashion, you can heal, right. you know, because I believe in for any shift of consciousness, the way to truly affect and like make any impact, you kind of have to hide the candy, the medicine, and the candy. Mm-hmm. And I think through fashion, through art, through music. And we've seen it with over, like over the times, like you know, the Harlem Renaissance, you know, like all types of movements that involved art, fashion, and music. That's kind of how you see change, right? And that's why I want the fashion brands to to put forth more of an effort with their messaging and what they put out into the world. Do you think that's happening now that you've put your work out there? Do you think you're listen, you're reaching those fashion ears? Like, do you think they're do you think it's happening? They they've heard us, um, and I think there's there's some changes happening. We did a interview with WGSN, and essentially they're kind of like trend forecasters for the fashion industry. So, like uh, we did a video with them interviewing me, also another guy from uh, who's a, a brand advisor for Boohoo Man, um, talking about the need for diversity, and that video goes to like six thousand fashion brands. So they're aware. Um, it's up to them to take the next steps and help us further this movement. I feel like I not. I feel like I'm actually looking at it now. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I don't know if you saw this post. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay, so there's a similar campaign. I, I guess it would be a good way to put it out there. Yeah. Um, that I saw um, that calls for the um, calls for people to embrace larger men. So right. larger men are um, essentially recreating a Calvin Klein ad. So right. do you feel that because there is a this what you've done is caught not only caused a trend but caused a, or or sparked a movement? And yeah. do you feel that that could potentially lead to fashion brands embracing? larger men in the same way that they have very slowly and very right. quietly started to embrace larger women. I think it's great. Um, I think the, the move is called We Are Big and Tall, and yeah. I saw it last night. And I think what they're doing is cool. And what I always said, and I've said it in previous interviews, like, I'm one person. So I want other movements to emerge. And and they slowly are. I've also seen other movements, too. Um because if we all kind of like unite together, there's enough room for all of us, and like we can really all cause a shift in consciousness. Because it's the media that you're putting out, you know. Like if you shoot something well and it's executed well and it's polished, it looks amazing. You can get it to the right people. People are gonna respond. People are not gonna hate on something that that looks whack, you know. They won't. But when it, I mean, black. dope shit will right. always be dope shit, no matter who it comes from. So right, that's exactly. So, um, interesting. I was searching while I was talking to you because I was looking up. I know two years ago, IMG signed um, Zach. Zach Miko. He's cool. Um, I like him. But I was just following his, looking at his social feed, and it seems like they just signed uh, a black dude who's also, um, I guess, they call them Braun. Uh huh. Um, so. And I guess this just happened much, recently because IMG yeah. was only representing Zach for a very long time. Right. Um, and I'm glad that they're opening doors and they're signing more models, plus size models, male models of different ethnicities. Have you been following his career to see if it's 
if the trajectory has been similar to men who are, I guess, traditionally the traditional size for IMG models. Because I was just like looking through their all of their male models, and they all pretty much like you were saying, they all pretty much look the same. So yeah. has his trajectory been? Um, I guess positive. Like, it's been positive. Yeah. He's setting he's setting waves. But we also do need to see more plus size men of color as well, you know, get signed to these agencies, you know? And um there are a lot of agencies that do have like curved divisions for women, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. I think it's amazing. I think we all need to have it for men too. Mm-hmm. Because we all look different. We do all look different. We all look different. And, like, the one thing I want people to understand about body positivity, it's not about fat versus skinny. Hmm. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin as you are today. No matter where you are, in your weight loss journey, not in a weight loss journey, if you've always been the skinny kid that got picked on and Mm -hmm. that's just how your genetics are made up, it's about being comfortable in your own skin. That's what it's always about, Um, which is why I kind of feel – that my movement is kind of where we're taking the approach of we're including everybody. We're trying mm-hmm. to be as inclusive as possible. Yes, we're zeroing in on being a tall men. We're also capturing everybody. And mm-hmm. we're also talking about um, recently, I just, I'm working on um, a piece right now, a collaboration with a um, non for profit brand called Good Soup. And we're doing um, a piece about mental illness and men opening and talking about their mm-hmm. first experiences dealing with anxiety or depression mm-hmm. and that's something that we don't see men particularly men of color open up or talk about so the everyman project is like it's kind of a catch-all project it's really changing i feel we i want to change the way that we view men mm-hmm. you know how men are perceived and how we perceive ourselves and just being open and embracing authenticity and I- it's it's funny you say that because I feel like um, I feel like at least on the podcast we've gone from a state of uh, demanding people be more authentic to uh, praising more people for being authentic. I feel like there's been a shift in culture where people are starting to feel comfortable with themselves in ways that they haven't mm-hmm. before, um, and we're seeing that a lot we're seeing that that part in media we're seeing a lot of i guess what could have been characterized as underdogs or the unwanteds or um the other kids like that's who's shining so like we have mm-hmm. shows on tv like insecure and like Issa came from the days of the awkward black girl when there right. were no stories about being the awkward black girl and you know we have your project out here that's receiving mainstream attention on behalf of men that are just not recognized before. What, for for people that will look at you and be like, oh, you've probably always just think that, you know, felt that you were dope or cool or wanted to be out in these streets. What would you tell them was your moment to decide, you know what, I'm actually about to just be comfortable with what, with what the hell I got and this is what I'm about to Flaunt, and this is what I'm about to use to like take the world on. But see, I'm still working on that though. Because <laughs> that's fair. And that's I'm fair. just, I'm always transparent. Like, yes, I am the leader of this movement, but I'm still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm comfortable enough to own who I am, you know? Um, and that's just really, 
this had to I had got to a point where I was just like sick of my own shit in terms of how I was treating myself, mm-hmm. how I would see myself, and just really through through life, you know, like I'm 30. It's like listen, child, yes, like you <laughs> start, I started, I, I reached yes. a level a level of learning to not really give a fuck, which is so cliche. So people say, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. It's like, yo, I do give a fuck enough, but it's like. Now now you really don't give I, a fuck. I just really now. don't it's give a fuck about like, external shit and I mean other that. people <laughs> projecting their shit onto me. You're owning Which your is narrative. what it is. Yeah. 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 And so you mentioned something in, uh, on your on your website, and I guess like I this caught me, and I had to you know catch myself a little napkin like dab it at the corner. Oh of my, my god, what did I say? Misty eyed, but it's like you wrote at six years old, being different felt like a curse, but at twenty nine, and obviously this is when you wrote this last year. At twenty nine, being different feels more like a blessing, like that to me. I feel like it's growth and maturity. Like, I feel like that's obvious. That's why I bang with you. Like, yes. I've you, like, for, like forever since we met. met like, yeah. It was just really, like, I appreciate people that recognize that. And I even feel like as we discuss representation and as we discuss uh, authenticity and individuality on our podcast, like, getting to that point where – the 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 shit that you bring to the table that it, that don't nobody got no matter what form it comes in is your magic is so important. So what would you tell people or young men that are uncomfortable with themselves or that may not that feel like the the thing that makes them different is their curse? How would you tell them to start or or try to make that their blessing? You know what? I was honestly asked this question earlier today. Oh, good. For an interview that I did. And you know, three times. <laughs> so somebody else asked you for it, child. That's, right. You can put that on a T-shirt. Right. Um, honestly, positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing them daily. Writing them down. Um, positive things about yourself. Positive aspects about yourself. Um, even if you're in such a dark place, you can only think of one. Write that one down every day so you can think of two. Mm-hmm. Um, then also, too, um, surrounding yourself with people who celebrate you for who you are. Because there's so many people that have toxic friends around them, toxic situations around them, around them and you have to reevaluate who you're letting into your space. Because that really dic- also dictates how you see yourself. If you're mm-hmm. around... A bunch of shitty people telling you that you're not shit. Shut you're gonna up, believe it. You're gonna believe it. It's the truth. You better preach. It's and I true. and I'm in a place, and I'm grateful for like all of my friends that are around me and support me, and they they love me unconditionally. And I feel like I'm in a place where I have the friends that I deserve. It's mm. beautiful. I want to have some friends you deserve. Yes. Yes. But you have to do the work to get there, though. Yeah. To really be able to see who's for you, because not everyone. Nope. It's for you. Not every situation is for you. And realizing that you have toxic friends or toxic situations, like learning that you're worth more than that to get out of it, mm. then you can start to kind of think a bit clearly and see things a bit differently. I have a follow-up question to that. Yeah. How did you get out of that? Did you just say, like, I'm going to take time for me and just – how did you get out of those toxic friendships? Or you just be like, well – People have a way of showing themselves to you. And 
I got to a point where I got tired of making excuses for other people. Mm-hmm. And um, just situations where people get to show you who they are. And, you know, my favorite quote is from Miss Maya Angelou, where people show you who they are. Believe, believe that shit. True. It's the truth. That's how she meant to say it, too. Believe that believe shit. It. <laughs> believe it. Believe that shit. They if someone to is, you. If someone is showing you that they are egregious, yeah. Why are you dealing with them? Yes, egregious. Yes, like, have you ever had, Right. Have you ever had someone in your life that just can't genuinely be happy for you? Yes, yeah. I lived with him for three years. <laughs> but, you know, to, to that point, um, I, like, while you were talking, I thought about Mary Kondo, who does the organi- organization philosophy. But sh- when she talks about getting rid of stuff, the simple way to look at it is, if it makes you happy, then you keep it. Exactly. If it doesn't, then you have to let it go. And I think what it sounds like you're like you did was just kind of evaluate who makes you happy and who doesn't make you happy. And exactly. whoever didn't do that, then they had to bounce. And I think that's something that a lot of when you, I feel like the closer you get to thirty, the easier it, it is because you you start losing fucks. Right, and, and you start learning yeah. how to say no. Yeah, that's the, other the power of, of knowing using no properly, because taking from what you just said, I applied the same philosophy to work as a freelance photographer. Mm-hmm. I stopped taking shit that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And it hurt my pocket for a little bit. But um, my business partner always would tell me, you put out the work that you want to get. And I pulled away from putting out shit that I didn't want to do. And putting out work that I wanted to book, things that filled me with joy, things that I wanted to be doing. Message. And now, and now I'm finally in a place where I can monetize well for those things. I think the beautiful thing is that you own the narrative. We talk about now, like, I came from this conference and the owner of Shea Moisture, he, you know, he's been on fire since yeah. the whole ad campaign. Yeah. And people were like, well, why did you do it? And he went in about talking about, you know, we put so much money in other communities, but we have to reach out to other communities to put back money back into our communities. So Mm -hmm. he was trying to reach out to people, but he understood that was thoughtless. But at the end of the day, he was like, we have to own the narrative. We've been giving the narrative away in other people that monetize it. So, yes, you don't give a shit, but it sounds it's you're owning your narrative. You're owning your story. You're not letting anyone else say it but you. Right. And that's going to bring in the money because that's what makes it authentic. That's true. People like people like shit that feels that feels real. Like, right. And that like I get that from this project. I get Thank that. You. I feel I'm finding 20. I feel like 2017 was a big year for men and 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 their feelings in a way like i haven't like was, <laughs> you know like you have 444 drake is still at the top of his game and yeah um you know like let's talk about when you when as a man when you look in the mirror how do you feel and i feel like that to see men to see my friends to see culturally men of color in a place where like these are conversations that you can have and you can have publicly and confidently or maybe not confidently but have it despite feeling confident mm-hmm. is so important and I'm 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 excited for you. I am I'm ready for you to let me know the day before you change your phone number cuz you got too many people calling <laughs> your phone because like I see that for you and I see that for this and like 
I remember three years ago when we were having conversations about right. you trying to like figure out what your thing was gonna be, like how you were gonna make it, and trying to figure out how to monetize this. And child, now you a whole celebrity, and I don't even. I'm really not know a how celebrity yet. I mean, not yet. You not know, yet. you when you Google up my name, you don't find Buzzfeed yet. So you know, you like <laughs> a good four steps behind uh, ahead. Um. So yeah, congratulations on Thank everything. You. Um, please keep us posted as to like how we can be involved. Absolutely. Tell people about your website. How can they follow you? How can they reach you? You can find us at theeverymanproject.com. You can find us on Instagram at theeverymanproject. Fantastic. Um, and as you guys know, you can always keep up with Mixed Company um, on all of our social platforms at Ask Mixed Company. And also shoot us an email at askmixedcompany at gmail.com. Um, for those of you uh, that get to hear this earlier in the day uh, and you're in the New York City area, um, you might want to try to get a hold of our event next week uh, that's called For Color Girls. For Black Women. For Black Women. <laughs> for Black Women. I mean, Simeon, this is your event. Like, let's just be real about this. This is your event. What is this event? It's, it's called For Black Women Who've Considered the C-Suite. Yep, and we're going to be talking about the challenges and the upsides of the uh, experiences uh, black women face on their journey to the C-suite. Those of us that are about our business and are down to boss up, um, we're going to be having conversations with some pretty heavy hitters in the industry, as well as some of our favorite peers um, at Young and Rubicam at Three Columbus Circle, starting at six o'clock on Monday march 26th so if you're in the area and if you're around uh hit us up let us know if you're down to come through we'll see to it that you find you a seat if not we'll share the live stream um and yeah we're just looking forward to all the boss up things boss up things that are about to happen for us and all the homies Tariq, thank you for being here yes, thank you for thank having you. me um and thank then you guys yeah we'll holler at y'all later